Welcome again to the Human Enterprise Transformational Leadership Series. I'm Paul Mitchell, and it's uh, fantastic to be with Louise Baxter in um, her current role. So, Louise, first of all, what is your role, and what's the organisation you're currently working for? Hi, Paul, and thanks for having me as part of these sessions. I'm the new CEO of the Starlight Children's Foundation, which is an incredibly challenging role, as you could uh, imagine, especially in this current financial climate. And the Starlight Children's Foundation has a mission of brightening the lives of all seriously, chronically and terminally ill children and their families. And what does that mean? It means that from the moment of diagnosis for these children and families, their entire life changes. And for many of those families and children, their life will never be the same again. And what we do at Starlight is we come into their lives for moments throughout that journey to bring them back together as a family, to connect them with peers, to give them moments of being a normal family and celebrating joy, happiness and distraction. And that's incredibly important to the well-being of these children while they're managing the illness and the treatment. It's uh, an amazing organisation and an amazing higher purpose. There are many, many businesses that would, lo would love to have a higher purpose like that, a sense of meaning. And sometimes we talk to businesses and they say, well, you know, we're not helping sick kids, are we? We're, not, we're just making ice cream or we're just doing that. So you really are making a huge difference in the world. So that's the organisation. Tell us a little bit about what your role as CEO of Starlight um, means on a day-to-day -day basis. On a day-to-day -day basis, I see that uh, my role uh, is very much you know, clearly a role of leadership for the entire uh, Starlight team. And the Starlight team is not made up only of those people who we employ, but a critical part of that team, a key part of that team, is the enormous volunteer base and supporters that we have at Starlight. So for me, I see that I really need to be the face of Starlight and for those people connecting what their contribution to Starlight with the impacts that they are helping us make on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's talk about that because I guess for many organisations, uh, one of the models we talk about is the volunteer model, that if you actually have people in your business that are coming to work on a Monday with a volunteer mind state because they want to be there and they want to make a difference, then you have one hell of an organisation. And it seems that uh, apart from your full-time team members, your reliance on volunteers is huge. So what are some tips on, on managing volunteers? How do you get that level of engagement that you do have with your volunteers? I think that there are some things you really need to manage very carefully. And uh, I'll be honest with you, we have had patches where we haven't been great at this, but I think in moving forward and, and the, the shift that we need within Starlight for the future uh, will see us really relying more and more on volunteers. And what you need with volunteers is they are clearly passionate about the impact of, of Starlight and the difference that they can help us make for the children and the families. Often our volunteers are actually involved in program delivery, so they, unlike a lot of other people, actually get to see that difference um, at the coalface, and that's incredibly powerful. We need to get alignment from them and provide structures and resources to them without controlling them, because I think one of the key things for a volunteer supporter group is 
that they they want to do this with their own flair and make their own personal contribution and it's a very personal thing they're doing so we need to make sure that they're there are you know their own message and that there are key you know brand um, issues etc that they need to be to understand but we need to have alignment without control so we need to be supportive without controlling of those people these are great great lessons for really managing a lot of people in our workplace particularly what we sometimes call clever people um, that uh, yes they need the resources and they need some structure and some envelope but over control them and they're gone uh, they are passionate they know they're different they have a different uh, set of skills and they want to see tangible results um, but they um, they also need to be led so it's um, it's a, a great parallel to managing a lot of people in our in our in our current socially networked workplace back to you Louise give us a bit of an overview of your career to date I, I, you said you're the new CEO but I but you I know you've actually been here before but maybe take us back to what your background is and, yep. and, and what enables you to do this role so well okay I originally started my career uh, in marketing roles, so I worked for a number of FMCG organisations, so Johnson & Johnson, Samuel Taylor, Arnott Snack Foods, so I had great exposure to working with big brands, uh, within international organisations, and organisations that were very committed to training and development, so I had great training over those time frames. I then moved to the agency side of the business and uh, worked with a number of organisations from FMCG, so organisations like Kellogg and Procter and Gamble, to government business like the Roads and Traffic Authority, New South Wales Tourism, and uh, also other international businesses like United Distillers Group, etc. I then started my own agency and got to a point where I was feeling that I wasn't passionate about what I was doing anymore. I was lo losing the passion that I'd had um, in my earlier years and decided I would prefer to do something where I could actually use those skills for a, for a, uh, to, to deliver good and make a difference. And uh, I originally thought I'd moved back to the corporate sector took a six-month maternity leave position here at Starline and stayed for six years. I left Starline. That was a long pregnancy. That was a very long pregnancy. Well, after I'd been here for three months, the then CEO uh, came out and had a chat with me and said, what would it take for you to stay? And uh, I loved Starlight. I, I really understood the impact. I had young children myself. And I think one thing that we all hope for is for the health and happiness of our children. And for me to see these families and the impact this had had on their lives and the difference we could make, um, I was really, I was gone hook, line and sinker really. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I then, uh, after six years here, had really reached a stage where I needed a new challenge. And I'm very much a person who believes that you have, a, there's a lot of your learning is on the job. And so changes and I love change and innovation. Um, and at that point in time, the CEO, which was the role that I would have loved to have had, had considered they would stay here for quite some time. So I went back to the corporate sector and then got a call earlier this year to ask if I'd return in the role of um, CEO. And here you are. And here so I let's am. have a look at, when you, you said something that a lot of the, the work actually appears on the job. If we have a look at those three 
different uh, spaces in your life. The coalface, where you're working with the, um, the fast-moving consumer goods, the uh, Campbell Arnott's of the world, the Samuel Taylor's, the agency, mm-hmm. and then your own. What's one, say, leadership lesson that you may have taken from each of those environments? Because leadership doesn't happen in, in a day. It happens daily. It's a long-term yeah. thing. So give us a lesson from the corporates that you now, I guess, take in terms of leadership. I think that one thing that you really learn there at those in those types of organisations is that you really need to have uh, do a lot of research and have a great understanding of um, whatever category um, uh, or or sector you're working within, and uh, and really understand. I think in in the terminology that would be used back then, it's consumer insights. Right. For me now at Starlight, that's the needs of our Starlight families. Yeah. So that is really the starting point at all those organisations, whether it be the FMCG organisations. They're always trying to let's take on at snack foods. They're always trying to work out what's the latest need in terms of chip size taste flavor whatever so looking at that i guess the great leaders start with what's the need because they know it's, then the, it's, need. it's the need and it's either the need of their followers or the need of the marketplace so never forget to, to look at the, the needs what about from the agency point of view um, well the agency point of view again is very much based around consumer behavior and insights it's obviously a strong culture of of creativity, mm. um, which is fantastic, and I really thrive within that kind of organisation. There's more structure and and uh, and probably um, well, the, the the corporates that I work for use agencies for the the creativity and the inspiration. So that was something that I really found. Um, inspired me within that. And that you, you were inspired so much then you then went in your own agency. What's a lesson from your own agency in terms of leadership? Well, I think that, that what what I learned there is um, you know, when you have your own business, it's all about it's all about making the cold calls and asking people and mm. really positioning um, your product as something that diff- that is different, unique that people need. So I think that it's interesting because it's the combination of all those skills in terms of understanding consumer needs and always starting there, having the structure financially from a marketplace to understand research and what's what what you can actually read from that research tying that with um with the the creativity that is something that all of those things i've brought to starlight no absolutely in bucket loads i guess and it's a great uh three great steps for for any uh one, looking to increase the effectiveness of their leadership. One, start with the needs, start with the end in mind. Two, then creatively look at how you can meet them. And then three, you better start paddling. Because Absolutely. the last thing in your own agency, what I got was the actual action that you took. Great to know the needs, great to have the creativity, but nothing happens until something happens. So um, moving on then, I guess, to for you looking at leadership overall, what, what does leadership actually mean to you? It's a, it's a broad term with many definitions. What's it mean to Louise Baxter? For me, leadership is really about being the guardian of the vision for the organisation and really bringing everything back to understanding how you're delivering against that. So for us at Starlight, it's crystal clear. Our mission is about about brightening the lives of of the seriously ill children and their families. Every decision we make must be based on what's best for those children, what will deliver most to those children and families. I think it's also about 
establishing an organisation that is really aligned, uh, where trust and confidence um, is, exists, and you use the word in bucket loads, I think that's, that's a nice way of saying it, and people have, are inspired and have the confidence to know where they're going and feel that they can definitely get there. That means it's also about providing the resources. Right. So the top level is very, I suppose, um, is about vision and inspiration, but underpinning all that, you need to make sure, and it's the CEO's role to make sure that those people have the resources and the processes they need that can actually let them fly and be inspired and, and have that confidence. It's a nice summary. Uh, start with that vision. I love your words, the guarding of the vision, and then the role of the CEO is to make sure every decision, every action, um, every movement is aligned with that, uh, which builds the confidence and the trust. But uh, but you also have to make sure that people have the resources to be able to get on, on with it. Mm. Um, so... Um, if that's leadership overall, what about you as Louise? What, how would you describe your particular brand or style of leadership? I'm a very passionate person. You've probably got that uh, out of uh, the discussion that we've had today. I really, I put a lot of emphasis onto that in terms of discussing things with, um, with the executive team, um, with the other leadership groups within the organisation and to the team generally. Um, I'm very open and transparent. I, I believe that uh, anybody within the organisation should be able to ask me a question about anything and I'm very happy to answer that. So I think it's, um, for me, it's about energy, it's about passion and it's about a, a, a transparency and an honesty. And I think that if you, and that's the way I am as an individual, and if you are constantly modelling that, the organisation understands that and that sets the boundaries for, for acceptable behaviour and what the culture needs to be like. And I will call people on that if they operate outside what I see as the, the Starlight culture. And I've been very clear in communicating that. Great. So being very, very clear on what you stand for, letting people know what you stand for, and then uh, you know calling people to account if it's not in line with the vision. One of the things you spoke about earlier on was getting people inspired and building confidence and aligning decisions to the vision. What really impressed me when you first took over as CEO how is that you got back to, if you like, what the need was. And you instigated uh, and put in place what hadn't been there for a while, people going back to see, if you like, what the business was about. In your case, actually people going back and seeing what Starlight was all about in terms of the visits. Could you talk about that and mm -hmm. the reason for that and why you thought that was important? Because I think it's a great leadership lesson for all of us. Uh I, when I returned to Starlight, I felt there were a there were a lot of new people here that hadn't been here when I'd left 18 months prior, and I found that a lot of those people were not connected with the impact of Starlight. And for me, that is the key reason for being here, and that's that's the motivation that I have. You know, getting out of bed and walking in here every day is to make sure that that those impacts continue and grow. Uh, so by finding out that people, there were people here who had not been to a Starlight Express room, had not been on a Starlight Escape, and so instigated a, an initiative called, C, uh, called Get Connected, which um, is about every employee, every team member here at Starlight must now, as part of their KPIs, spend half a day per quarter 
working in a Starlight Express room, attending an escape, being part of a wish-granting experience so that everybody here understands the impact of what we're making and it's made an enormous difference. Mm. Uh, people were, just came back from their, their first day, the first people that went were so invigorated by the experience. There was even a suggestion that instead of the reward program that we have when people go above and beyond, that we could actually um, offer a half day, an additional half day of getting the reward uh, wow. for people as a reward. Mm. And uh, it also had the other benefit of, which we hadn't considered before we went into this, that uh, our Captain Starlights, who are the wonderful, wonderful people who work every day in the Starlight Express rooms and in the, in the paediatric wards in the children's hospitals, and uh, they're the catalyst for fun and mayhem and joy in the rooms. And the captains felt very disconnected to the teams in the offices. And what Get Connected has done is it's actually connected the captains back to the office team. So it's actually bringing the entire team closer together, which is an additional benefit that we hadn't really thought about. It wasn't the, the motivation for a, the introduction of Get Connected. Louise, I've got to say, I think it's an absolute stroke of genius because one of the things that great leaders do is they build communities. And that's not just a matter of having a higher purpose. Starlight has a great higher purpose, but it's a matter of connecting people to that higher purpose, hence your program Connect, and then connecting each other. So I love the fact that they actually feel like it's almost like in the business we've got head office doesn't talk to the field. Well, you've got head office going out to the field, and all of a sudden the field, in this case the captains, felt a bit more loved, felt a bit more connected because, um, gee whiz, we've got to make sure we keep topping them up. So for many leaders out there, if you're wondering, gee whiz, you know, is it... Should I send my people out to, to have a look at the biscuits, to, to go to a salon, to have a look at where they're using the shampoo or whatever? I think it's a, a, a great little example. Um, there's probably been a lot of people over your uh, course of your leadership life where you've learned a lot from in terms of both yourself and in terms of leadership. I'm just wondering what have been or who have been some of the biggest influences on your leadership style and what were some of those lessons? I've uh, always been drawn to people who I obviously um, find inspiring as leaders and I have quite a few of those that through my life are in a very informal way mentors for me and so those individuals I constantly draw on and some of those I you know worked with 15-20 years ago and I still have that kind of relationship with those people which is which is wonderful. I think that there's a couple of general things that I've that I've learned from leadership experiences and observing others, and that is that you really need to have that environment where your team understands that you do trust them and that you will support the decisions that they make. And I know that uh, uh, only you know 18 months ago, two years ago, my CEO said to me. I will back you and I will back you even when you're wrong. <laughs> and I think that's a very good thing mm. for an executive to hear because it ups the accountability as well because you need to be responsible for that, but it means that they, they trust you implicitly. And I think that's a very empowering thing to hear. Conversely, I've seen cultures where blame, undermining and division has been rife and that clearly doesn't work. Do you know what you can get by and you can kind of patch things up and, and move forward in that environment and even even achieve great growth 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that the culture is strong, that the culture is good, and uh, it's not a people where individual. It's not a place where individuals and the team thrive. One of the uh, earlier proponents of, of, of leadership actually went into the area of quality. His name was Demi, and people just look at all these quality stuff, but his main principle was that to build an empowering, exciting workplace, you have to drive fear out of the workplace. Mm. And I love what you're doing there, uh, particularly at the senior level, because that sets the tone. Um, we're saying, guys, here's the vision, here's the alignment, here's what I stand for, go out there, I trust you to do your stuff, and I know it that if you stuff up, it was not a deliberate stuff up, I'll back up, I'll back you up, I'll support you. I think the drive, not only of the accountability, but the trust, I mean, must inspire people to, to absolutely go for it. Any other lessons, that, any other key lessons that you got along the way? I, th- I think that kind of is the, is the, the, the general area that... Um, which is kind of, I suppose, a positive and a negative mm. of side of the same coin, really. But I think that uh, that that control and division is something you just have to avoid. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I've really asked of the executive team here is that I want I want robust discussion. I want us to um, to push each other. We used to actually within the in the agency world have a, a saying that when we fight our clients win and um, that didn't mean that we rolled over to our clients but it meant the bigger the fights we had within the agency mm. about the ideas and the concept the the bigger the win was because we were really pushing Absolutely. the boundaries and yeah. pushing each other mm. and I try to encourage that here that we if we have a meeting and nobody's questioned anybody else or pulled anybody else into line for not really delivering something that was promised, that's not a really good and productive yeah. meeting. So we need to have that, that debate and we, it needs to be fact-based, not emotionally based. So I'm a real believer in, in fact-based decisions. And when we leave the executive team room and we've had that debate, we are aligned and no one outside of that room makes the suggestion that they didn't think it was the right decision. What a great, great lesson for any board, for any senior team. Let's have conflict. Let's take, uh, you know, let's really put the gloves on and just absolutely go for it. At that point, we want that conflict because it brings new ideas. And there's also a time for solidarity Mm. and being very, very clear on when we are going to argue and have different points of view and when we need to be solid and and making sure we do have that solidarity. I think that's uh, another great leadership lesson. We've talked about yourself and your team. What what uh, strikes me is that you've got such a, an emotional, passionate business where it's so important to work with people for who they are, yet at the same time, the role of the CEO of any leader is to get close and keep your distance. So uh, how do you manage that? How do you get the, the connection with people and the close relationships, yet simultaneously push for results? Mm-hmm. I think that if you have a, a culture of honesty and transparency that that's easily achieved. Now I don't want that to sound glib but I think that in many ways that actually uh, builds friendships as well and I don't think you know we don't live in each other's pockets at all but that level of, of trust and camaraderie etc 
is a, a type of a friendship um, and I think that you can do that and within that relationship it is absolutely appropriate to be able to push for results that's why we're all here and for us I think at Starline that's an easy push it's not about me getting a bonus because that doesn't happen it's about mm. programs and services for the children so it's a much higher purpose so I've I've had moments here at Starlight when we've missed a fundraising target and I've been able to pull the whole team together and say we missed that target by X that means there's X children who won't be this receiving this service let's all think about yeah. how we can make that up really quickly so this is like I'm not being pushed uh, because I'm being pushed. It's if if you don't perform to a certain level, we miss out on our target, which which enables which doesn't enable us to meet the vision. Absolutely. So the clear message I think coming through for the listeners with talking with Louise here is that it all gets back to the vision, the guardian of the vision, the guardian of the mission, and everything is based around that. And that makes your feedback easy, whether you're close to some people or not as close to others. Um, so tell me, uh, it's not just you, and I know you would say it's not just you, you've got a great team. Um, how do you develop the leaders around you? What do you do to um, make sure that there's strong leadership in the business, not just one or two leaders? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a few ways that we've, we've um, looked to do that. Um, I'm very clear about expectations. I'm very encouraging and supportive I'm very solution focused so my mantra to the team is don't ever come to me and through the entire organisation don't ever come to me or don't ever go to your manager with a problem unless you've got a couple of solutions that you want to discuss with them so I really want everybody to to be solutioned um, solution focused I really try to uh, model in terms of myself, the style of, of leadership that I'd like to see right through the organisation. And I want to make sure that they also use some of the external resources, like we have fabulous um, volunteer boards at both the national and state levels. And I encourage people to use individuals from those groups to support them in the specific area of expertise that um, uh, and the specific function that they head up. What we've done within the organisation to ensure that it's not just the executive team and no one else is leading, after we have that alignment at the executive team level, we share, uh, our, well actually every week, we share a summary of our executive team meeting with the entire organisation. Uh, we have a, another level of leadership called the PMF, which is the People Managers Forum. So any person who manages um, an individual within the organisation or individuals within the organisation, we share in advance uh, any presentations like when we were present, uh, developing our planning for 2.10.12 and before we went to the board, we shared that with the PMF and asked them to share those plans for feedback and contribution with their functional teams. We then tell the functional, we tell the entire team that those um, uh, those plans are with the PMF and if their leader doesn't share them or their manager doesn't share them with them, they need to tap them on the shoulder <laughs> and ask to see them. So that we, that we have, I suppose, it is, you know, push and pull um, mm. that's happening within the organisation. Also set up an uh, online questioning uh, facility so called CEO Connect so that 
any person within the organisation can ask me a question which I will answer publicly within 48 hours on the site, which means on our um, internal intranet. So that means it gives the opportunity for anyone within the organisation, anything that's bothering them, that they can actually come onto CEO Connect, ask me the question and I answer it publicly. And that's been a really valuable tool as well because it really reinforces that, that transparency. And for me, it's also uh, been able to dispel some of the myths that start to, you know, those corridor myths that exist within organisations that someone overheard something once and now they've made. And uh, people have been honest in, ans- in asking those questions, so I've been able to answer those publicly and dispel those. Nip them in the bud. Yeah. Lots of great learnings there uh, for us uh, all as leaders. One, get very clear on expectations. We have a saying, manage expectations, not people. Mm-hmm. And uh, very clear expectations. Continually be solutions focused. Model the style. You know, Be the revolution you used to see in the world, I think uh, Gandhi said. Connect people to outside resources, I think, is a great one. Uh, share the, uh, the vision and the mission and the the direction that the business is going to with your senior team, giving them advance notice, and also making sure there's backward feedback. It's not just a one-way feedback. There's feedback back up the line. And uh, once again, model the transparency by having CEO Connect, having anyone been able to ask any question they want of you so that we stop rumours pretty quickly. So that's what you're doing a lot for your own uh, people in terms of development. What about how do you stay on top of your game? Any professional associations, any development? I mean, you talked a bit about before about the mentors that you have, mm-hmm. but what else do you do to, to, to be, you know, be, continue to be the best CEO you can be? I have a number of sources that I, that I utilise for that. I do look for uh, any external training and development uh, opportunities that I think would be, would be relevant and utilise those uh, where I think they're, they're needed. I have connected since I've returned to Starlight with all of the CEOs of the other children's charities and I don't at all see those as competitors, I see them as collaborators and I see that we're all working with a very similar group of, um, of families delivering different benefits to those families and we need to make sure we continue to deliver different programs and services to those children and families but we can also work together on a lot of things so I've had several meetings with some of the CEOs of the other organisations and we've also already seen some benefit coming out of that we're just about to actually share office space with Canteen in the Northern Territory for example um, which has come out of those discussions and there are other opportunities with some of the other organisations that we're having discussions about but they help connect me into the thinking about this sector um, from their point of view. Uh, and there's been some very interesting and inspiring discussions, and I'll continue to have that. I uh, am also, obviously, you know, the Fundraising Institute. Um, I'm part of the um, CEO Institute, and I find those very valuable to me in terms of uh, sector information and support and then uh, the CEO Institute in terms of tapping me into another group of CEOs and where we share um, mm. issues which are all amazingly similar, similar yes. across yeah. across organisations. So two great lessons here for leaders. One, you've got to know your industry. Yours happens to be 
the not-for-profit charity industry and you make sure you continually connect with that industry sector. I think uh, the other thing, though, is you're also a CEO, irrespective of what the organisation is, so you're making sure you're getting development and, and connecting with other CEOs. What I particularly love, which I think is a, a great lesson for leaders, is that it's so easy to look where we for where we compete. I mean, that stands out very, very quickly. It takes a lot more digging around and often a little bit more work to see where we can collaborate. And it's great that ultimately you put the kids first, irrespective of whether that might be another organisation uh, that might be competing for the same dollar, but mm. we're competing for the same vision. So it's a great example of, of collaboration within an industry sector. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many other, uh, how many banks would get together to see how they could better serve the consumer, how many fast-moving consumer goods might get together. Yeah. Although I do see out there a lot more of uh, joint marketing, for, for example, Mars and, and, um, and uh, Coca-Cola getting together, yeah. companies like that. So let's, let's now have a look at... Um, a bit more back to you. This is a very demanding job. You, it's not only demanding for a CEO, you've got a business to run, you've got to continually be raising funds, you've got to never let go of that vision, but it's a very emotional environment. I mean, we some of these kids do pass over, some of these families are in, uh, in major need. Um, how do you keep going? How do you keep yourself recharged and, and, and still be that, uh, that, that beacon of inspiration in sometimes pretty tough emotional times? Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I really pay a lot of attention to, and I, this might sound uh, like I've read this in a textbook, but it, my work-life balance is very important to me. Uh, you have to make sure that, uh, and I make sure that I have time for me um, for to keep me physically fit. And uh, I'm a uh, long-time netballer. I've been playing netball for 41 years. I still go. play competitively twice a week, although I'm way slower than I used to be. But I enjoy that. And there's a there's a, uh, a health benefit to that and also a, a therapeutic benefit of time out with the girls because I live in an all-male environment. I have sons, you see. So that's, a, that's <laughs> a, a double benefit for me, that I get time with the girls and... Uh, I have um, time for physical activity. You know, I also make sure I go out for power walks, etc. I also maintain, make sure that I'm with my children and my husband, that their time is for them. So I try to never miss, you know, a sporting event or whatever, or a presentation or a play or whatever it may be for the kids. That's really important. And I'm now teaching my eldest how to drive. And when I first started here at Starlight, he was eight years old. So I'm really aware of how quickly that passes, so you can't miss a minute. Yeah. So yeah. I make sure I do that. I try not to take my laptop home at weekends. Now, that's not to say that doesn't happen from time to time. I tend to use weekends for maybe there's phone calls and functions that I need to attend for, for background reading. And yeah. I'm very big on uh, <coughs> not seeming to work outside of uh, the kind of Monday to Friday. Mind you, my husband will sometimes say to me, what are you thinking about? And I'm actually preparing something, you know, in my mind uh, and doing that, spending that thinking time. So I really do understand that I do have to look after myself physically and I really try to encourage the rest of the, the team here to do that because it can, it is, I'm so committed to what we do you just have to make sure you don't let it completely take over take your over. life. 
So a couple of things coming through there, or three things really. One, an awareness of it, an awareness that it can take over your life if you're not careful, and that awareness gives you choices, and the choices you've made, at least two you've spoken about, is the one of physicality, uh, which is making sure you do your power walks and you have your your, uh, your netball, and, and just connection, connection with friends through your, your netball association and obviously connection with your the beautiful men in your life. Um, so... Uh, that's how you you top yourself up how you keep yourself going we've talked a lot about your strengths every leader has vulnerabilities what are some of your vulnerabilities as a leader and how have you been able to handle them or manage them Uh, I think that that what I sometimes do as a leader or have done as a leader and, and try to avoid is that I am very much a just do it kind of person and I need to make sure that I bring people along with me and just don't go and do it myself, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. uh, I have to give people, I have to stop myself to give people context because sometimes I may already be at an end point or a decision point and I, my vulnerability is that I haven't given people... I need to step back and bring them with me to that decision. So I think that uh, ensuring that I give people context and that I keep people in the loop and that I bring people with me because I'm the type of person, I always joke and say, that if I need to get to the other side of the room and there's a coffee table in the room, I'm likely to just knock that coffee table over on the way across the room. And I need to not do that, and I need to, you know, work out ways around the coffee table and uh, and take people with me. So the overall thing is, yeah, we just want to get out there and you, the, the, like the Nike, you just want to do it. But if you were doing that, you'd be doing it on your own all the time. You That's need to right. bring people with you to have your followers come with you. So you need to slow down. You need to give them a, a context, uh, which you've been doing. You need to loop them in through the information. Is there anything else, anyone who supports you or? maybe uh, compensates for that vulnerability in the workplace here. Perhaps they would say to you, Louise, there you go again, you're charging your head again, Uh, I'm just going to give you some feedback. So what I find is a lot of leaders have what I call their default buddy. And each of us has a default, but we often don't see it ourselves. So you have a a tacit uh, agreement, or not so tacit, very explicit agreement with someone in your team to uh, keep whispering in your ear. I don't have a specific um, agreement with a single person, but I think that what I'm encouraging people to do is to give me that feedback, so in an informal way, the entire executive team, and I will go back and check with them. Do you think that I handled that the right way or potentially in advance? This is what I'm intending to do. Do you think this is the right way? Mm. And to get their input to that. So... I haven't established in a relationship where I've asked somebody to do that for me, but I have asked the entire team to do that. And it's a consciousness around it by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, as we start to come to the end of our interview, I guess if you have one pearl of advice or wisdom for someone um, looking to really make a vision of greatness come true, just as you have a vision of greatness for for Starlight Foundation, what would be your pearl of wisdom? Uh, Someone's out there, they might be struggling, they've got the vision, but it's just not happening for them. Any pearls of wisdom to leave us with? I think that through all of this, you have to be absolutely true to yourself. And if you have that vision, and if you are passionate about that vision, then you need to 
you do need to be absolutely true to the way you are, the type of person. You need to recognise where those vulnerabilities are and you need to seek support. So I think that, uh, that one of the key things is you can't do this on your own. You need other people to help you to realise your vision and you need to utilise all of those resources, internal and external, that can help you get there. The words of Shakespeare keep... Uh, <laughs> ru- uh, 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 what's the word? Drumming in my ears. This above all to thine own self be true. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, and once you are true to yourself, you'll not, not only seek that support, you'll probably get it because people realise how authentic you are. So it's... Um, it's been great uh, talking with you and finding out a little bit more about what your beliefs are around leadership, what you do around leadership, and and the importance of Starlight. I guess, what are some of your greatest challenges right now, though, as a leader of the Starlight organisation? We, 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 we are in, uh, possibly coming out of it, possibly not, some, some pretty tough times. What's your greatest challenge, both as Starlight and as the CEO of Starlight right now? Mm-hmm. I think that the starting point for me, and we've talked about the needs, is that there are no less seriously, chronically and terminally ill children during a global financial crisis. No, Um, that's not going to go away. Not going to go away. And you have to consider their position within that economic environment. These families are already physically, financially and emotionally devastated by what's happened in their life you've got to consider that some of those families are doing it even tougher now. Right. So So it's a double whammy for many. It's a double whammy for them. So for me to return to Starlight and in my first three days at Starlight have to actually have um, board meetings every day to cut program and service delivery to those children and families was absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. My challenge now is that uh, we're heading into the, the Christmas season that's traditionally for us a time of great giving because people understand and start to look at their own family and how happy their own family is and start to give consideration to the others who may not be in their fortunate situation. And my hope is that people really support Starlight through this Christmas gifting period. Well, how can we do that? Is there a way that our, our listeners and our community at the Human yeah. Enterprise could support you? Absolutely. Uh, they People can support us from an individual basis. They can go to our starlight.org website. Uh, we will have uh, a we have a corporate promotion, I suppose, that people can run within their organisations and that our theme for this year is all about that you are the vital link to connecting seriously or children to the joys of Christmas. And by link, we're actually utilising the whole the old Christmas paper chain and people are able to actually send a donation and write a message of hope for these children that we will send to them That's in the hospitals. That's tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. So, a real, real connection, once again, with what it's about. Yeah. A real connection with what it's about. And we understand that the more we can connect people with the impacts that they are making for helping Starlight make for these children, the better it is for them because they understand Mm. the value of their contribution and the better it is for us and then for the children. Mm. So that's what we're hoping for and I'm really hoping that these next two to three months um, deliver strong um, results in that area and that people are very, very generous because the cutbacks we've had to make this year means that we will go into 2010 with a need to reinstate and re-establish some of the programs we've cut back. It means we'll hit January with higher numbers of children waiting for a wish, yep. and we need to make sure that we have the funds available to deliver those services and programs. 
So, uh, listeners out there, the Human Enterprise community, please, uh, as Louise said, go to the site, give them a buzz, uh, or just call us or send something through. We promise you we will receipt that for you. Or if you're looking at doing a corporate program, we'll put you in touch with the most appropriate um, uh, person within Starlight. So, Louise, thank you. Uh, some, some fantastic lessons about being the guardian of the vision, about how to connect people to the, to the mission and the higher purpose, about the importance of sharing information, about uh, managing volunteers, um, about the, the keeping the passion alive. Uh, it's, it's been great talking with you. And uh, on behalf of, I guess, uh, people, particularly those with, with kids, we thank you. We thank you enormously for what you do for the world and what Starlight does and, uh, and just how comfortable and how honoured we are to have you in the role as CEO of the Starlight Foundation. Well, thank you for chatting with me. It's That's been it. lovely. Well, as we said before, there's many, many leadership tips here, and we hope that just as Louise helps to brighten the lives of seriously your children, this has helped to brighten your world as a leader. And as my brother is very fond of saying, better to light a single candle than to curse the darkness. We hope you tune in again to our series of transformational leadership interviews with the Human Enterprise, and we look forward to working with you in the near future. This is Paul Mitchell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>